Wrestling Basketball Podcast. This is not an emergency episode, but we have an emergency announcement. I just found this out. Joined by Yosef Nasser. Yosef, the Scout with Brian Twitter account, one of our favorites, all-time favorite, has been suspended. I'm shocked. I lost a follower today, Armand. Uh, we <laughs> follow each other. Um, I didn't know about him until he kind of followed me out of the blue, and I kind of <laughs> looked at his account, not knowing of the, this happened a few years ago, not knowing of kind of the controversy. Um, and yeah, so we, we followed each other, but not anymore. He, he's no longer on Twitter, and he put a 20-minute explainer on YouTube. But you know, we'll see if I get around to watching it. But I, I am curious what happened because you know he's had some moments of controversy that may have gotten him. Uh, canceled on Twitter but now it's official it's it's I I can't stop I'm not trying to laugh but it's it's what a day he like you said he posted a 20 minute explainer on his YouTube we're both going to watch it after this episode but the explainer has 15 thumbs up and 287 thumbs down which might set a YouTube ratio record for how many thumbs down to thumbs up I can't I'm just I'm so upset right now I love the scout why why Yosef can you explain why He's a polarizing figure. Armand, you dropped this hammer on me, um, you know, just as we were about to start. And I'm actually, you know, one tab I've got the Heat Blazers game and another tab I've got uh, Scout with Brian in the Twitter search bar trying to put the pieces together and figure out what happened. It's, it's, <laughs> I think we know what happened, but we're not going to repeat it if that's why he got suspended on this podcast. But if that, if what you sent me via DM is the reason, Scout, that was, that was a low blow to Carl Malone and to that guy's mom. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think that's what it was. Yeah, but I, I think. I, I think the based on what I'm reading here. But I, I think the only explanation is going to come in the video, which uh, we'll, we'll see what he has to say about it. We're we're gonna have to get to that. Um, this podcast, the 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 topic that I wanted to start off with, Yos, is the Lakers and the Lakers. Are they actually at this point underrated? Like, I feel like the consensus has been, including for myself, I, I, I think you might be on the same wavelength, that the Nets are kind of like the foregone conclusion. But are we kind of underestimating the Lakers at this point, Yos? What do you think? Underrated in terms of what? You mean the, the roster that's on the floor now or what this team can do when they get LeBron and AD back? Because I still think, um, the Lakers are my number one. The Nuggets are my number two. And if the playoffs started today, they'd play each other in the four or five in terms of uh, teams I like in the, um, in the Western Conference. Um, I, I think that a lot of people kind of like still are giving the Lakers the benefit of the doubt. And, um, you know, the fact that so five and five in their past 10 games, uh, the fact that they've been able to hold off the, the Blazers who are behind them, the Mavericks that are behind them, um, I think it's good. They're not going to be happy if they have to play the Nuggets in the first round. Um, that's for sure. But um, I think that they're probably properly rated. I think they're uh, respected uh, the way that they should be because when you have LeBron and Anthony Davis in your team, uh, that's the um, that's way it's going to be. And also they, their return uh, seems to be right around the corner. Exactly right. They are scheduled to come back here in the next few weeks, Yos. I was speaking more in terms of, so we see where you stand with them in the West, but what about compared to Brooklyn right now? Where, where do you kind of see them in terms of comparing them to the Nets? Assuming full health for both teams. I just think that like the matchup problems that Anthony Davis and LeBron uh, pre present for that team make the Lakers the one team that can really cause the Nets some problems, score with them and give them some trouble uh, defensively. Like, l let's break it down. I, I guess you would say who's defending James Harden on the Lakers. And, and, and it would be, you know, a combination of KCP, some West Matthews, some Kalen Horton Tucker. And, and, and James is unstoppable, right? He's going to do what he wants. But, you know, we're also talking about playoff James here. We're also talking about, um, you know, Anthony Davis is going to be involved I, I I don't know like in, in terms of it it depends to me like what, what what's LeBron going to do in, in that type of setting what, what what does he have in the tank what 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 can he um put forth because you know the last time we saw KD and LeBron in the finals uh LeBron had you know a much worse team around him 
this this time around, if it happens, uh, the the field is more level. Obviously, Kevin Durant has a better supporting cast, but you know, you talk about Anthony Davis, that that guy is a a stud on both ends. So um, I don't think that answered your question at all, but um, <laughs> it, it's. I mean, they've got two X factors on a team, and I don't think it, you know this might be a blessing in disguise to. Um, have guys play extended minutes, kind of get their confidence up. Uh, you know, Marquise Morris has played pretty well for them after, you know, being kind of bad the past few years. Um, you know, they, they got Andre Drummond. Um, you know, Talon Horton Tucker is a guy who's a, um, a promising, you know, young player, only 20 years old. You know, can't really shoot it, but does a little bit of everything else. Um, they're missing Kuzma, who I think has been pretty good for them this year. Um, you know, I think he does everything pretty well except for shoot. Um, and then, you know, Macklemore, um, they pick him up off the scrap heap, and he he has a big game uh, the other night. Uh, so the Nets are so, so potent with what they can do. And we're going to talk about underrated players, um, you know, later later in the show. And they've got a guy who I'm not going to spoil right now, but who, who's definitely on this list. And I think that, you know, it's get more playing time. But um, those are the top two to me. Those are the top two, and the Nuggets might be three in terms of the best teams in the league, in my opinion. I get the Suns, I get the Jazz, but I'm thinking in a playoff context, you know, who scares me the most, and uh, those are the three teams that do it. You touched on the one player who I wanted to touch on at the end there, and that's Ben McLemore, because I think that that's the most low-risk, high-reward pickup if it works, because – he gives yeah. the Lakers – I think he's better than Wesley Matthews. Um, he gives them – when you give LeBron that three-pointer in that corner pocket, three-point shooter in that corner pocket, and then he can also kind of defend a little bit. Another version of KCP, basically. Now they have two KCPs. In, uh, KCP is pr- probably a little bit better. He's a much worse defender. He's yeah. a much worse defender. There's going to be a game where he gets DMPs in the playoffs uh, because of that. But – he, he, he can catch fire from three. He, he's that kind of shooter who, when he's hot, he, he, he's got it going. He's like a Kobe White type player. <laughs> Uncalled for. But, yeah, I think that um, – I think the Nets underrated player that you're going to talk about, I think I know where you're going to go with that. We're not going to spoil it yet. But the Nets, last night watching the – I didn't get to watch the game, but I watched the replay. And LaMarcus Aldridge self-admittedly admitted that his defense was atrocious. They can't really – Teams are just going to go at the guy. And the Nets, it seems like I don't know how they're going to stop the the Andre Drummond is not a game changer. But, like, Drummond can really cause some damage against a guy like Aldridge if, if, if Aldridge is playing the five. And then LeBron is going to be coming downhill on those screens in the, in the finals if, if those two teams were to meet. I think it's um, the consensus. Now, now we might not be the consensus, but if the consensus was that the Nets are undeniable, I think we're in for a much better finals than we're giving it credit for. I think the Lakers are very formidable, Yos. Are, so, go well, ahead. Um, what were the Lakers, I mean, and you had this analysis of them last year, they were just massive. They were, you know, with, with yeah. White and uh, JaVale McGee, um, LeBron rolling to the rim, throwing up that ball, and, you know, them bringing it down. Like, they're just a big team. And I think with Andre Drummond, for, for all his flaws, he, he, he's a big body in the paint. Um, you know, who knows how much he plays in the postseason. Um, I, I don't think he's a very good offensive player, but LeBron makes everybody around him more dangerous. I would just be concerned from the Lakers' perspective. How, how do they stay in front of um, Kyrie and James Harden, provided that they're both healthy and, a, and, a, and in a good mental space? Um, how, how do you stay in front of those guys? Because you're looking at, um, you know, I, I mentioned some of the guys, KCP, uh, McLemore, Kalen Horton-Tucker, uh, Dennis Schroeder to, to guard Kyrie. Like, you know, Anthony Davis, you can put him wherever. We saw it last year. They put him on Jimmy Butler. He did it you know, as we're you can do some of the you know for the guards though how, how are they gonna you know stop dribble penetration um kickouts for open threes that, that that's kind of the lakers personnel um on the wing and at the guard position is a little bit lacking so um 
it's all on LeBron and AD and then, you know, whichever role players can kind of stick in that final five uh, to close games. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to, to follow as the season goes along. So we're going to move on in one second. But to answer your question of how they're going to stay in front of him, I have no idea how to answer that. Um, Schroeder did get in Kyrie's head a little bit yesterday, but I don't know if that yeah, was great. That was weird. I was trying to like read lips and try to understand like what Kyrie was so upset about. That was a, yeah. that was a bizarre one. Very strange uh, ejection there. But the thing that I think the Lakers have the advantage of is that sometimes when these, when these series becomes kind of evenly matched, it becomes a coaching tug of war of what kind of player can I plug in for five, 10 minutes here to give us a little bit of an yeah. edge. And I think that the Lakers have so many options that I don't know if the Nets necessarily have. The Nets they have are, so many options, but are they good options? That, that, that's good options that you would trust in a playoff series. That's a great question. I, I don't know. I think that Wesley Matthews is like the cutoff for me as to what is like a good option. Because if you were to give him a DNP, I totally understand it. I don't see him getting more than like 12 minutes in a playoff game. But like in those 12 minutes, if he comes in, hits three threes and plays solid defense, could shift the playoff game. And they have a lot of guys, like you said, are they good options? They have a lot of guys at that like baseline. But if like three of them hit like they did last postseason, we could be looking at a repeat, Yos. We could be. I want to talk about the Nets just, you know, because we're talking about, you know, obviously they've got the stars at the top. Um, I want to talk about the big fuss that was made when Blake Griffin and uh, LaMarcus Aldridge chose to sign there. Um, and, and, you know, Blake Griffin called it out. You guys are saying I, now I'm, like, shifting the balance of power in the league. And I think this is still, like, you know, the, the faux outrage about LaMarcus and um, Blake Griffin signing. It's, what's really going on, Armand, is that people are realizing they really got James Harden for nothing and we're mad about it and we're going to take it out on these two signings. Because we haven't seen much of uh, their big three together, but, you know, even when two of them are on the court, it, it's – the talent is ridiculous. And James Harden, like, it's the perfect situation for him. Um, I don't see – you know, we're going to talk about East teams. I don't, I don't see how even my team, the 76ers, like I'm kind of resigned to the fact that if those guys, if those guys are rolling, like how do you stop them? How do you score with them, let alone stop them? It, it's – that's what people are really mad about. You're not mad about LaMarcus Aldridge. You're not mad about Blake Griffin. These guys, you know, talk about playing 15 minutes a game in the playoff series. Like that's what they're going to be doing because – you know, they've got, you know, you talk about options and maybe you don't like them, but um, they, they, they've definitely got bodies. They've got Bruce Brown. They've got Joe Harris. They've got uh, TLC, who's not playing well this year, but, um, you know, he's still someone who's long and, you know, active. Um, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, Nick Claxton. Like, they, 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 have, they have pieces. And regardless, you could have me and you out there and, you know – KD, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving is going to have a, you know, 120, 130 offensive rating. They're, they're going to get buckets all day. So, um, I'm defeated, Armand. I'm defeated because, like, it's so much fun watching the Sixers team. They're playing with joy. They're playing with life. Uh, I watched this. Uh, I watched the uh, Sixers destroy the Thunder without even trying. They were playing at, like, 40% and just demolish them. And yet I know it's uh, – I know the, the dragon that's at the – end of the tunnel that that we have to face so it's demoralizing so we're going to spend a a few minutes on each of the top four eastern conference teams top four meaning the well we did the nets basically so we're going to do the sixers the bucks and the heat and let's start with philly let's start right there and i don't think you should be that demoralized and the reason is because joel Embiid is the uh, i'm going to say it to you right now the most dominant player we've seen since Shaquille O'Neal. They literally, I don't know if he's gained strength or what it is, but like, or gained like, I don't know if he's athletically better than he was in previous years, but he is so much more, to me, more dominant. Like double teams come, it's literally like he's playing against school kids. And last night against the Thunder, poor Moses Brown, poor Tony Bradley, I mean, that's child abuse, dude. That was not even fair. 
that's your that's your chance right there, Yos. That's your chance right there. Is and you obviously um, have a background in in training, skill development, in terms of basketball, and just the importance of you know knowing what you have in your bag, knowing what you can go to, knowing your counters. I, I think that Joel is in perfect synchronicity in, in terms of knowing okay, um, if someone shades me too far this way. I can turn around. If he's playing me this way, he's playing too far off me, I can hit the J. Um, if the double comes, um, like they were, um, they had Moses Brown and, you know, for stretches of that game, like Lou Dort was like a heavy, a heavy double. And, you know, he, he would kick it out, you know, find the, the guy in the opposite corner. Um, he's just, he's just on one right now, but he's one guy. He's one guy. And, you know, Ben Simmons, you know, for all of his talents, he kind of is what he is. And, you know, I think in terms of their chemistry, like Ben Simmons knows what he has in Joel. They're not doing, you know, this like, oh, I'm the star. This is my team. This is your team, whatever. Like Ben Simmons knows he's an often a limited offensive player. He knows that he's got a guy who's unstoppable. And so because of his basketball IQ, like he knows how to get Joel the ball uh, in spots to where he can take advantage and dominate. Um, you know, Tobias Harris has kind of been um, – he's been better than he was last season. I think his handle has gotten tight tighter you know his uh um his jump shot looks pure but it's like we're talking about Tobias Harris versus Kevin Durant and you know James Harden and we can put defensive personnel um out there that um can compete with the the net but can we score with them and and also you know you look a lot at the Sixers a lot of time there's one guy that you can kind of go at so whether it's Seth Curry whether it's Cork Maz you know, if you play Tybal, that you know, that's a you're playing four on five on offense. So we're missing one guy, and it's tough to think that we could have had James Harden for um, Ben Simmons. And there's kind of you know noise back and forth to where it's like, was Fertitta ever gonna um, sign off on a trade to trade James Harden to to Daryl Moore in the Sixers? We don't know the answer to that, but. Um, I think they're the second best team in the East, but the best team is a potential juggernaut. I, the hope is you never want to uh, wish injury upon anybody, but I, I just think the Sixers' best hope is that, you know, James Harden's injury or, you know, Kyrie's injury or, you know, KD gets injured. Like, uh, with the team fully healthy, the Nets team, I don't, I don't know how the Sixers can beat them in a seven-game series. You mentioned that, you know, Embiid is one guy, and I want to just give you a little bit of hope right here. Dirk Nowitzki was one guy. I mean, it's been done yes. before. Like, but, yeah. The level right. of dominance, dude. Who is guarding Joel Embiid on the Nets? Who? DeAndre Jordan? Yeah, you're right. But um, who's stopping James Harden on the Sixer? I mean, I guess – so you put Ben Simmons on him. Who, who's stopping Kyrie Irving on the Sixers? Um, you guys have the luxury of, of, of a lot of defensive pieces to try to make stops. Thibel, Danny Green, Simmons. I'm not saying I would pick you guys, but I'm saying that it, the Nets are a new team and real are. things happen. And Embiid, man. <laughs> I can't stress this enough. Embiid, the way he's playing – God, knock on wood that he stays healthy. He's rolling over people. It's it's ridiculous. If he didn't get hurt, he he'd be the MVP. He's one of the He's best shooters in the league. Um, he 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 gets to the line at a rate that's insane. I think I heard Zach Lowe say that um, he's on pace to set a, a record, uh, break uh, one of Wilt Chamberlain's record, most free throw attempts for 36 minutes. Anytime, you know, you're in the conversation with Wilt Chamberlain and potentially breaking one of his records you know you're doing something ridiculous. And that's what he's been all season when he's out there on the floor. I actually think that he's a better offensive player now than a defensive player. I think that, you know, there, there are moments where he can be had. I think he's, you know, a well, you know, very, very good defensive player. But offensively, it's just – it's lunacy what he's doing. I couldn't agree more. With that being said, we will see if they do meet. But let's move on to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks, their strategy this season has been interesting because they're they're zagging to their usual zig. They're usually 
just 100 miles an hour in the regular season. And now they have nights, I think I've seen it twice, maybe three times already, where it's just they roll out the G League team and they let Holiday, Middleton, Brooke Lopez, all those guys get a rest. Giannis has been getting extra rest. I think that's a very interesting strategy for a veteran team. And you know what? I, I actually really like the Bucks this year, Yos. I really like them. And I might even – I honestly think that the Bucks and the Sixers, in my opinion – are a lot closer to the Nets than, than we're giving them credit for. And what do you think about the Bucs? Um, so you say the, the Bucs are giving him rest. Um, I'm, I'm personally invested in this situation because Giannis is the face of my fantasy team. I know no one cares about your fantasy team, but um, he's been out for the past five games with what's described as left knee soreness and anytime there's this ambiguous knee soreness and you don't know where it's coming from um and you know it, it lingers beyond um what you would expect a reasonable timetable to be um i i'm not going to say i'm concerned but my radar is kind of up like you know is there something there because this team has no chance without Giannis and Denikuba. i know they destroyed the the magic today but it's the magic and um, you know, that team is headed for the lottery. No Wendell um, Carter Jr. slander, please. I, Wendell's played well. Um, they were missing their best player, Chumo Kiki, today. So, um, you know, that, that probably played a role in, in their loss. But um, it's all on Giannis. I do think if they are healthy, I mean, Drew Holiday's been terrific. And that was a, a little bit pricey in terms of what they gave up to get him. But I don't think they regret it. And I think that, you know, you can make a case that, you know, the Pelicans probably rather have him than the picks that they end up getting. They didn't know that Giannis would resign, um, you know, when, when they made the trade, but, you know, Drew's been terrific on both ends of the floor. Middleton's still pretty good. I, I think that, you know, he, he's a guy who can get a bucket late in the clock. For me, it's, it's just, so you've got those three, right? So who, who do you kind of fill around them? Like I, I like DiVincenzo, but his shot kind of comes and goes. He's a little bit, erratic defensively I mean he, he's terrific and, and then Lopez you know it depends on if he's hitting and there's some matchups where he can be played off the floor a little bit um so beyond that you know Pat Connaughton Tanasis and Tedekumbo getting some playing time um you know I don't think he's much of an offensive player but you know he can move a little bit defensively he can match up with the with different guys um Bobby Portis, you know, puts up stats in the regular season. Is he really going to play, you know, 25, 30 minutes a game in the playoffs? I don't know. So it, it's it's really, to me, Giannis Middleton Holiday. And, you know, against the Sixers, I just prefer, you know, what Joel is doing offensively and the way the Sixers kind of play around him, the way that they move the ball, um, the kind of shots they can get versus uh, versus the Bucks, But, um, you know, watching Giannis the other day and you know not the other day because he's been hurt for a while but just wondering like when we normalize how ridiculous he is because he's a ridiculous talent you know no doubt about it. it's just like you know in, in the playoffs that hasn't always manifested itself because the game is a little slower um I like the Bucks, but they're still clear third to me um after the Nets and the Sixers to me this Bucks team just the the type of personalities that they have i think they're better suited to be like a the underdogs in a situation rather than the normal budenholzer they're the one seed and you know people are gunning for them now they're like i think they 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 are the team that's best suited to be the chip on their shoulder team will it matter i have no idea the one thing that they also did that um that i kind of liked was they they just <laughs> You're going to laugh at this one because I already said this in the, in the preseason episode, Jeff Teague, I'm going to do it again, Yos, I'm sorry, but he was having some good games in Boston at the end there before he got kind of just shipped for nothing. And then he ends up in Milwaukee and I like him. I just, I, you, you asked who are the two guys that would fill out the, the starting or the, maybe the closing five for the Bucks. Maybe he's one of them. I don't know if he, he would be able to, he's a vet at least he, probably would know what to do um I don't have a good answer for you though for the last two guys for the Bucks 
I do like Bobby Portis, though. I'm going to be honest with you. And I think a lot of it is going to come down to how many people we can get vaccinated by the time the playoffs come around. Because I think <laughs> you're, you're smiling, but I actually think the Bucks would have a nice little home court advantage, especially yeah. with the type of guys that they have, like a Bobby Portis, who feeds off of the energy of, of the crowd and could become a maniac. And I've listened, Bobby Portis played for the Bulls. I've seen him score. I, I think he had a 30 point half one time against the Heat. So he is one of those kind of heat check guys. And then, yeah, Brooke Lopez can maybe get hot in a playoff game and steal one. But yeah, it's, I, I agree with you that, that they should probably be considered third. Let's, let's move on to the Heat, though, unless you have something else to say about the Bucks. Well, what's really interesting in this conversation is that um, the, the Sixers and the Nets have the exact same record. And I think that that number one seed is going to be so critical because the drop-off between um, these three teams that we're talking about and the team that we're going to talk about next, I mean, you know, that 2-3 matchup is going to be a bloodbath. Um, and, you know, whoever the one seed plays right now, the Hawks are in the fourth spot. We'll see if, you know, Charlotte is the five seed. <laughs> Miami's the six seed. Celtics are the seven seed. Um, we'll see who ends up actually uh, playing in that game. But if you tell me the six should play the winner of the Hawks and the Hornets in the second round, like that's like a, a five game series to me. That's a gentleman's sweep right there. Um, and, you know, Nets Bucks, that's going six or seven easy. Um, you talk about Bobby Portis, I think that, you know, he can find some matchups um, considering like who the, the Nets bigs are um, that are favorable to him. So um, this race for the one seed uh, between the Nets and the Sixers is going to be huge. The Sixers have been good this season. They've got to continue to head on the gas. And um, for the Nets, you know, the ramifications of Kyrie um, getting in a pissing match with Dennis Schroeder, who he's way better than, um, and that game was still competitive at that stage and just, you know, throwing that away, it's uh, – these games matter. You know, we're kind of in that stage of the season, April. You know, this is, would normally be March, obviously. This is a very unique season due to COVID and whatnot, um, where a lot of these games don't matter. But with the play-in tournament um, and, you know, the fact that there are still some tight races at the top, I, I think that the, there are more teams with things to play for. And um, it's going to be fascinating to watch that sprint to uh, the finish to at the top of the Eastern Conference. I couldn't agree more. Um, let's, let's, let's move on to the Heat real quick. With the Heat, they, they played the Lakers the other day, and Victor Oladipo got hurt at the end of that game, Yos, and they almost lost to the Lakers without LeBron and AD, and they were at full strength, and it looked like they were trying and competing. The Heat, it's the same thing that was an issue for them last season, and that's who's going to give them consistent offense. And if it's not going to be Oladipo, where is it going to come from? Like Tyler hero has kind of, I wouldn't say regressed, but he's kind of remained the same. No, He has regressed. He has regressed. He has regressed. The, the only thing that maybe you could say is that, you know, the playoffs last year in the bubble was an outer body experience. And Tyler hero is closer to the player that, you know, we saw in the regular season before the shutdown. And, you know, this is kind of, you know, the natural, you know, progression, from that, and maybe we expected more out of him than he's capable of, you know, giving. But if you're comparing to what he did in the Eastern Conference Finals and, you know, for, for stretches of the finals last year, it's not that same impact. I, I agree. And then you have Dragic, who I have no idea how old he is, but he must be approaching 50. <laughs> I, this team, uh -huh. I just... Like, I think it was, we haven't taped a podcast in like two weeks, but I think in maybe the last or second to last episode, I really was believing in them. But now that I take a second and third look at it, I'm like, this team is just a tier below those other three, right? I mean. I think it's a few tiers below, Armand. This team can't score. I mean, you said it. Like, where do they go to for reliable scoring? And, you know, we talk about the um, – you know, regression of Tyler Hero. We talk about Victor Oladipo, really, you know, them kind of counting on him and, you know, him being gone is a loss to them. We're talking about, you know, Dragic aging and, you know, the injuries he's dealt with, obviously played uh, in the finals, you know, got injured and, you know, tried to play through that injury. Um, 
not even mentioning the fact that Jimmy Butler is shooting 22% three. Um, I think that I kind of go back and forth on this um, with, the, with the bubble, right? So I don't want to diminish my, – my case has been, like, how can you diminish what the Heat did? The Bucks had a chance to, to beat them, and they didn't. Um, and obviously, you know, they didn't have home court advantage. Obviously, the bubble was tough. Obviously, um, there was the social justice situation that was weighing heavily on everybody's mind, and the Bucks were the team, the first, the initial team to walk off the court. So um, there were all of those factors, but they still losing five, you know. Um, but I, I just wonder if the unique circumstances of the bubble leveled the playing field to where a tough, gritty team like the Heat um, could kind of grind these games out. Um, the fact that they didn't have, you know, the best offense, you know, didn't really matter because um, got Jimmy Butler, Van out of bio, just dogs uh, defensively. And when they're hitting shots, the offense was pretty good. But um, now I don't know. Um, you know. If they're the sixth seed and they play the Bucks again, like, you know, I, I guess they would have the mental edge, but the Bucks have Drew Holiday. So, um, which they didn't have last year. When you look at the top, the teams that we've talked about, which beyond the fact that, um, you know, we've seen the Heat do it in the playoffs, do you like any of the, do they have any favorable matchups there? Like, I think the Nets would rip them apart. I think the, the Sixers, you know, I don't think they'd be able to score on the Sixers. Um, and, and the Bucks thing, you, you just talked about. The Bucks, you know, as more and more people get vaccinated, if they're allowed to have, you know, uh, a decently sized crowd in that building, you know, those fans are going to be going crazy too. So I just think they're – I understand why you brought them up. You have to because of, you know, they're the uh, reigning Eastern Conference championships, but I think they're in a different group. To me, it really does just come down to Victor Oladipo, and that's their that's their ceiling right there. If he can give them – now, the thing is, he uh, in that Lakers game that he got hurt, and he also had a very explosive dunk on – yeah, who, who, who did uh, Andre Drummond. Andre, he, he posterized Andre. Miami, they they know how to train athletes, and Andre Drummond. Oladipo has not looked like pre-injury Oladipo since he got injured. But there's still a little bit of time here, and if he can find anything to give them a little bit of a little bit of offensive burst and a little bit of tenacity and toughness. That's the only way, right? They, there is no other way for them to even come close. And I don't think it's going to happen with Oladipo, but he is playing for a contract. He is, you know, he did bet on himself. He already turned down a sizable contract. You tweeted about this, Armand. You tweeted about this. Like, at this stage, the contract he turned down, like, he'd be lucky to get that. I mean, you mentioned that, you know, he's probably going to have to settle for a Kelly Oubre-type deal. Um, 15 million a year uh, for, for two years, or maybe a, a big one-year deal, um, another prove-it type deal. Um, the reality is, is that he's not the same athlete and he's not a good shooter. Yeah. So um, unless he recovers some of that athletic, I think he's still a pretty good defensive player. But um, if people aren't going to respect you from a three-point line, if you're not going to hit shots, if you're going to, you know, not be a threat from behind the arc, it, you know, it's – and I'm sure, like, you know, as guys, you know – you understand the psychology of an athlete. Like if you're not the same athlete and guys are backing or, you know, if guys are playing up on you and you can't get by them and guys are backing up on you um, and, you know, kind of daring you to shoot, it gets in your head. So um, it's been a kind of a wonky two years for him since, uh, since the injury. And at this stage, like he's not saving anything. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Jimmy Butler and Adebayo and anything you get from him, in my opinion, is gravy and it would be a terrific story if he came back and was you know the x factor in a playoff series but with the teams that we're talking about at the top i don't see it yeah me neither with that being said is there any other team in the east that you would like to mention as kind of maybe a sleeper that we we didn't mention well the celtics just blasted the nuggets today which is interesting 
Um, in terms of teams, you know, because the we, we talked about it, the Hawks are the four seed, the Hornets are five seed. I don't know how the Hornets are still <laughs> alive and kicking. I mean, you know, I, I'd left them for dead after LaMelo and Gordon Hayward got hurt. I mean, I guess I, – I can't even say I guess. They're, they're going to get killed in the first round if they, if they, you know, are able to hold on to that five seed. Um, the Celtics – R.J. Barrett, again, you know, yeah. coming up in the clutch, hitting the corner three. Like, is he their best player? Is that crazy? Or am I jumping the gun a little bit? Like, I really like R.J. Barrett. Like, if he's going to hit, you know, perimeter shots, like, I know he's not, you know, the most explosive athlete, but it's like he knows how to get to his spots, um, you know, whether it's in, in front of the basket, you know, in the mid-range. And, you know, if he's going to hit shots, like, He's interesting to me. And then, you know, the Hawks are more of a curiosity. I don't think they're a threat to do anything, you know, in, in, the, in their first playoff exposure in the Trey Young era. Um, it's really the Celtics because um, that's a team that they, they've been really embarrassing for, for large stretches this season. But, um, and you still have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And those are guys who are not going to be afraid of the stage in the playoffs. They, they're going to see themselves on the same level of, as whoever they're playing. If they can get into a reasonable seed, like let's say they can get to the the five seed. Like that's the team that I would not want to play if I was the Sixers because they embarrassed us in the first round last year. I know we're much better, but still. Um, the East is just not that strong this year. I agree. And I do this once every few months, but I'm going to do it again. And I know it's going to sound asinine, but the Toronto Raptors, I'm still, you know, they're two games back at the play in They're They're horrible. They're horrible. I'll admit they're horrible. Gary Trent Jr. had 44 the other night. They just, okay. The center position has been a huge gaping hole for them all year. Ken Birch is probably a lot better than, well, not Boucher, but better than what Aaron Baines is giving them. Yeah, much better. And they're going to get healthy. And that team still has some swag. They Now they have a little bit better of a bench. There's not a when – I, when I posed you this question, I didn't really have an answer in my head. I just was kind of using it as a thought experiment. But, to, I mean, you mentioned all the other um, formidable candidates. And, you know, I wanted to say the Bulls, but the Bulls are fucking a joke. Fucking – I – I hate the Chicago Bulls again, Yost. I'm sorry. That's the first time we mentioned the Bulls on this podcast, by the way. Uh, but I, it's, it's, Toronto, it's definitely a contrast from last podcast where we were, <laughs> we were singing their praises and our tourist corner service was the general manager of the year. Uh, things change in an instant, huh? I mean, yeah, they really do. I, don't, I want to apologize to the audience for, <laughs> for promoting that. The, the Bulls trade for Nikola Vucevic and they turn into to the 2020-21 Magic. Um, it's just amazing. mediocre. Um, but let's, I mean, I don't know. Let, let, let's talk Raptors. I mean, they're in an interesting spot because um, I get why the Blazers made the Norm Powell for a Gary Trent deal in the sense that uh, Norm Powell can kind of put the ball on the floor and get to the deck. But, I mean, Gary Trent, his number is going to come lower than um, – and Norm Powell's deal is he's still very young. I think he's 23, 22, 23. Um, he's a good defensive player. And, you know, when he's shooting the way he's been shooting these past few games, I mean, it's like he's Clay Thompson out there. Like, I know that's hyperbole, but, like, that's the level he's playing at. And so you start looking at this core, right, whether you want to talk about for a playoff run or, you know, if they bottom out. So you're looking at, you know, they have a decision to make on Kyle Lowry at the end of the year. Fred Van Vliet got the contract. Gary Trent. Um, you know, you have to assume they're going to re-sign him. They're going to have his restricted free agent rights. Chris Boucher, uh, Pascal Siakam, um, you know, Malachi Flynn, you know, getting some pretty good minutes in recent, you know, he had a good game uh, yesterday. Um, I, I kind of like this team, but it's like I, I can't help but feel like they're, they're better off, like, trying to get to the bottom and get one more piece than, you know, what this team could actually do in a playoff series. I didn't even mention OG Ananobi, who, who didn't play tonight. Um, they've got some interesting pieces. And, you know, I know last year you were saying that, you know, you thought that they were, were the team that reminded you the most of the Spurs. Now, obviously, they don't have Serge Ibaka, they don't have Marcus Saul, and that's, you know, that the, their center rotation and um, 
the fact that they're playing in Tampa has really, plus some injuries, has kind of killed them. But who knows, man? I'm like, I wouldn't want to see them in a playing game. Uh, if if I'm the Celtics, like in a seven ten, like that's not fun at all. Like that's uh that's pretty scary because you know that you know they they've got the playoff chops. That you know they've got the the confidence and you know the way uh, Gary Trent and Boucher are playing, like they, they could put the fear in someone for sure. I definitely think that they have what it takes to put the fear in someone, and I and I and I also think that we got to start talking about what you started to mention that Messiah might have completely robbed Neil Olshi, uh, and that is it Olshi or Olshay? Olshay, Olshay, Neil Olshay. He. I mean, Gary Trent Jr. straight up might just be better than Norman Powell, and they got Rodney Hood out of it, which is Rodney Hood stinks. He's gone. Portland could use him on the bench. I mean, he he's not great, but I feel like Portland could still find some use for him. You think he's completely washed, though? Yeah. I mean, he's coming off of an Achilles, and he wasn't the best athlete to begin yeah. with. You know, kind of a streaky shooter. I I, I think, and defensively, he, he's not. I, I think he's a replacement level wing and maybe a sub replacement level wing it's really the two pieces are uh norm powell and gary trent and when you consider what you just said you, you just said that you know gary trent might be better in a vacuum and the fact that uh gary trent's gonna come in at a lower number than norm powell is yeah i mean you're absolutely right that you know it, that this is looking like a net win for uh for the raptors we're going to move on to our NBA deep cuts now. With that being said, I wanted to mention one thing before we get there. I'm actually not sure that Gary Trent at this stage is actually going to come in at a lower number than Norm Powell. If he keeps playing like this, Yos. I think – so he, he's a second-round pick and he's a restricted oh. uh, free agent. I think that, you know, there's a, a limit to what his max yeah. is versus what Norm Powell is going to get as an unrestricted uh, free agent. I agree that if they were both um, unrestricted free agents, it, it'd be a different story. But I, I think there's – I'd have to go back and look, but I think like there's somehow they, they of what he can get. Yeah, there's a, there's a limit for uh, those second round picks to to what they can make um, in, in restricted free agency. So that's the only reason that I say that. I think Norm's going to come in at probably twenty, and I think that Gary Trent probably gonna get like fifteen. That makes plenty of sense. All right, let's get into NBA the deep deep dives on the rosters. We love to do this. It could help you in fantasy if you play fantasy. And if you don't, if you're just an NBA junkie, these are some of the guys that we've kind of had our eyes on, on deep on the NBA roster. So, Yos, go ahead. You're already smiling. <laughs> go ahead. Who's your first guy? You ask me this every, every few months, and, you know, you know I love it because uh, the thing I like about the NBA regular season is, is the fact that um, you get to kind of, like, watch some of the young players, you know, play. You don't get to see them in the playoffs, obviously, right? So I, I want to know who's kind of coming up next. And also with this challenge that you put forth, I wanted to think of like the most legitimate candidate um, who would piss off the audience and make them want to turn off the podcast. Like, why is he talking about this guy? So I'm going with Dean Wade. Dean Wade is a good player. Dean Wade from the Cleveland Cavaliers, they stink. He can play the three, the four, and the five. He can get overpowered by, uh, you know, opposing power forwards and centers. But he's just a smart player. He knows where to be. He can, you know, he, he's got a little bit of, you know, he can put the ball on the floor a little bit, can pass it. You know, when he's hitting shots, you know, I think Dean Wade's a good player. I think he's a, a rotation guy. So that joke aside, um, I do like Dean Wade though, uh, more than I thought. Like Dean Wade's a guy, if you told me I'd be talking about him on the podcast, I would have laughed at you, you know, at the beginning of the season. But Dean Wade, I think, I think he's pretty decent. Um, should I give another guy? Or do you want to give a, a real guy? I'm going to – no, that – dude, you understand this exercise beautifully because that's exactly <laughs> what I'm looking for in this. And it's funny that you said Dean Wade because I was not thinking about him for this, but I was thinking about Dean Wade today as I was watching. He's good. He's good. And, and his, his three ball is – I don't know what he shoots on the season. It's, it's a line drive, but, like, I, I would be scared of it if he shot. Dean Wade or Laurie Markinen right now, gun to your head. Wow. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. You speak better than Laurie. Yeah, I don't know. It's funny though. I'll give you mine right now. It's funny that you mentioned a Cav because I was going to mention a Cav. Do you know which Cav I'm going to mention? Do you want to take a guess? Uh, uh, By the way, I'm we're stalled. each going to do three guys. Oh, uh, it better not be Cabin Gelly. I'm going to guess that no. it's. 
Hartenstein. Yes, it is Isaiah Hartenstein. He, they traded JaVale McGee for him, and he might straight up just be better than JaVale McGee. I mean, he's yep. been a pleasant delight. You always use the, the phrase winning on the margins. That's a winning on the margins move by Cleveland. Now they have Jared Allen and Isaiah Hartenstein. That's a solid little center rotation there that they've started to build in Cleveland. So the first two names on our list, Yos, are both Cleveland Cavaliers. Very interesting start to this. All right, you got two more and I got two more. So who's your next one? So I'm going to go, um, this is going to be a, a team award. And um, because I live in Nebraska, the games that we get, uh, are, are the local games we get, we get Timberwolves games and we get uh, Thunder games on the newly uh, minted Bally Sports Network um, in our sports package. So I see way more Thunder than I should see. Um, and... I think that they've got like seven guys. Yeah. <laughs> like they're starting five is just meant yeah. for this exercise. So names I have written down. Ty Jerome, who I slandered last year uh, when I saw him play against the Bulls. He's a smart player, man. Like he, he sees that he, he's not athletic at all. He sees things before they happen. He, he's he's going to play 10 years as a backup point guard in this league. Kenny Hustle, like a dogged defender. He's like – the homeless man's version of what Jimmy Butler was when he started his career. He even like looks like him the way he moves. It's like, now he's not Jimmy Butler. He's already 26. He's not, you know, going to develop into some star, but he's a guy like as your ninth man, like you can do a lot worse. I mean, we love Pokushevsky. Just the fact that he was so bad this season, but he had the swagger to always take that next shot. And, you know, before he got hurt yesterday, I think he got hurt. He only played eight minutes. Um, you know, he, he was having a nice little stretch for himself, um, you know, leading into last night's game. Uh, Teo Maladon, I think that he goes in the top 15 in the redraft of this year's rookies. Uh, Svi Mikhailuk, who, you know, they traded for Hamadou Diallo. Like, you know, he's a shooter who's a uh, – I don't want to use the, the cliche term deceptively athletic, but he'll throw down some hammers that you aren't expecting all the time. Uh, and then Moses Brown, I don't think he's very good, but uh, I'll, I'll say this, man. He can rebound the basketball. I think he's kind of in that uh, Andre Drummond, Hassan Whiteside. His yeah. stats are, are more – or like he's not as impactful as his stats say there are. But, I mean, rebounding the basketball is a talent. And, you know, put up 15 15s and 20 20s. Another guy who's on my fantasy team, by the way, like – you know, you, you can carve out a role and make yourself some money. And then Darius Baisley returned yesterday. He's he's always been kind of intriguing to me. I, I don't know how good he is, but, you know, you can put the ball on the deck, you know, can pass it a little bit. Um, it's going to depend on the consist consistency of his shot. I mean, and he's still not a very good finisher at all. So um, a lot of guys on the Thunder, it's been – they stink. But what I want to emphasize about this team is that I don't know, like – how all of these guys are going to play. And I don't think we realize right now how good this team is going to be five years from now because they're not going to be able to resign all these guys. So what they're going to do is that they're going to package two, three of these guys for better pieces, better picks. Two, three of these guys for better pieces, better picks. All of a sudden, who knows? Maybe they get – I'm throwing this name out there. And this 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 guy, this specific guy is not going to happen. But maybe they are able to get in the conversation for a Bradley Beal – um, just because, you know, they've got so many freaking assets. Like, they've got so many picks, and all of their young players seem to be hitting. So this is a team award for me. I'm going for my number two under-the-radar player. I'm going with the entire Oklahoma City roster without Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I love it. I love it. That's – I was going to mention uh, Ty, Ty Jerome, but that's okay because I got to – Talk about him. Talk about him. Talk Talk your shit, Armand. You told me that he was good last year. I laughed at you. Talk your shit. Tell me, tell me why, why you like Ty Jerome. He's got uh, a lot of self-confidence. His game, like you said, it's not flashy, but I, I completely agree with everything you said about him. Ten-year backup in the NBA, not anything special. He reminds me a little bit of uh, Sato, <laughs> a little bit, like Washington Sato. Like, Honestly, I, I thought about this. I thought about sending this to you after watching him, like – I think I'd rather have Ty Jerome than Sato. I hate Sato, so I can't. I can't argue. <laughs> he, he's he's pesky, man, and he's tough, and he playmakes. And what he lacks in athleticism, he makes up for in knowing how to kind of like manipulate defenses with his 
with his IQ around subtle head fakes, Armand. Subtle head fakes, like yeah. you know, looking one way and throwing, you know, like on the Thunder broadcast, they were talking about, oh, Ty Jerome, another no look pass. Like he he he's he's very crafty and he can shoot it too. So yeah, um, I'm glad you got you know give you some we give you a hard time about some of your takes. Like, dude, I might take Ty Jerome over Kobe White, and I love Kobe oh. White. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with you, man. Kobe for life. For real. My next guy is a veteran who got traded at the deadline who has really had a nice little resurgence here for for one of the worst teams in the NBA, but they're really a pesky team. Do you know who it is? Veteran got traded at the trade deadline, plays for a bad team, but they're really pesky. I'm gonna be mad uh, when you say it, but I don't. I don't want to waste the the audience's time. So Kelly just... Olynyk, Yos. Kelly Olynyk. Okay. He's he's been pretty decent for the Rockets. I mean, last night he had 18 and 11. He's been, you know, because of this new team, he he gets a lot more opportunity to showcase his offensive game. It's never gonna to translate to to winning basketball at this kind of usage, but. For if you're a fantasy player, Kelly Olynyk's a a good guy to have, I would think. I don't play fantasy basketball myself, but he's averaging 17, eight, and three as a Rocket, and he started seven of the nine games, playing 30 minutes a game. Shooting. Yeah, that, this one cuts me deep, Armand, because Kelly Olynyk, you know, I've gotten my hands on some of these fantasy sleepers. He's the one that got away. I had him for a week, gave up on him after a bad game when he was still with the the Heat. Gets traded, you know, a few days later. The Rockets think, oh, okay, should I pick him up? You know, let me wait and see. Someone grabbed him, and he's he's performing like a stud. What I will say, though, is that I think it's easier for these guys who, um, you know, we saw Kelly Olenek in the playoffs. I mean, he played, you know, uh, some minutes when Bam went down. But um, I think it's easier when you're on a bad team, like, to, to put Kelly Olenek out there on the floor because you've got nothing to lose. Like, I, defensively, he's kind of slow-footed. Um, but, you know, his spacing, his, you know, passing, I think it does help, you know, some of the young guys they're trying to develop there, Kevin Porter, Kenyon Martin. Um, so, you know, I understand why you're saying, saying him, but I think that, like, his statistical production is more indicative of the fact that, you know, it's a bad team that kind of needs his spacing and what he brings to the table offensively, as opposed to, like, him being anything beyond what he was on the Heat. I think if he was on a good team – if he was on a good team, he would be um, in a similar role, 15 minutes a game off the bench. Um, but, I mean, shout out to KO, and I'm sad that I didn't strike <laughs> when the iron was hot. Do you have a third guy ready for us, Yos? I've got a few guys, um, and I'm not going to go in depth into all – actually, no, so I've only got two guys. So Chumo Okiki, um, he kind of, you know – reminded me before he got this extended playing time as like a Boris Diaw type of player, just the way he moves, like um, can handle the ball, really nice handle. Um, I think he's shooting 35% from the three, uh, three point line. Um, good passer. And like, he's not really, afraid. he's not afraid. Like he'll, he'll, he'll take to the, to the cup. He's got great size. So I like him, but the guy I want to mention is Cam Johnson. People at this stage know about Cam Johnson because of, um, because the Suns are really good. And I think the reason they're good is because they've got these two guards who can basically take over the offense, you know, playing next to each other or, you know, uh, flying solo um, with whatever other players they've got out there. But they also have this uh, trio of forwards, so Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, and uh, Jay Crowder, that they can kind of stagger based on, um, who's having a, a good game. So against the Utah Jazz a few nights ago, um, Mikhail Bridges didn't play a lot, and they, they really went with um, Cam Johnson and Jay Crowder. Um, you kind of – I was aware of Cam Johnson, and I was one of those people who made fun of the Suns taking him. Like, if you had to do a redraft, Cam Johnson's going in the top ten, and it's because he – is a great shooter and you kind of highlighted that like you know one of the you know the purest shooters looks so clean when it goes to the net and he's a smart defensive player and he's a little bit thin but like he knows where to be and he's just always out there um making 
an impact. He can guard threes, he can guard fours. Um, and I, I think that he, he he's perfectly equipped to be one of those guys who's a star in his role. He has no illusions like, oh, you know, I'm going to try to drop 20, 25 and get the bag. It's like, I can make a lot of money playing within myself and, um, you know, being a good teammate, whether it's playing 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, or 35 minutes, uh, I really like what he's brought to the table for the Phoenix Suns. I like both of those guys a lot. My final guy is going to be a shout out to our friend, Tony Garcia. The Pistons need some love, Yos. They have, they have a couple, they're a team, not quite on the Thunders level, but they have a couple guys that could have made this list. And I'm going to mention their rookie center, Isaiah Stewart. He plays, his numbers are not always going to be great. He plays with a mean streak. He plays with an edge on him. And I really like that about him. He, he is a young kid who, who plays tough and, kind of like an old school big man, you know, it's like one of those guys that um, his, his mentality is, is that of, of an old school big man. His game is not my favorite, but he's tough. And I like that about him. I think he'll stick around in the league for sure. I'm going to take it a step further. Like not only does he play with his hair on fire, he's a legitimate crazy person. <laughs> like he's not, he's not afraid of anybody. Like yeah. I remember watching a game between the Pistons and the the Sixers and like you know so many bigs are intimidated by yeah. Joel and B. I say Stewart like stares him down and like talks shit like um, he runs the floor like a madman like um, a really nice pick for the I mean is Troy Weaver is Troy Weaver a top five general manager in the league when you look at Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley. Like, I gave this guy a hard time. Maybe, I mean, if Killian Hayes turns into something beyond a backup point guard, like, I think that Saban Lee. Frank Jackson, Yost. Frank Jackson. Off the scrap heap. Yeah. Left for dead by the Pelicans. I think he also got cut by the Thunder in preseason. Yeah, we might need to give our friend Tony an apology because the Pistons, Troy Weaver has done an adequate job, but this is the beginning of a rebuild. So we have to wait, I think a year or two to see what happens with these guys, but Isaiah Stewart, man, you, you hit the nail on the head there. He, he does, he's, he might be a legitimate crazy person. He's not afraid of anybody. And with, with Sadiq Bay and Killian Hayes, they might have a formidable trio there to build with out of this one single draft class. I'm, I'm excited to see that team. And currently right now they're in the fourth quarter against the Clippers. They're only down by three. They're competing. It's still wait and see on Killian Hayes. He can't shoot at all. Um, he, he's a smart passer. Um, he can't shoot and he can't finish. Um, and I was a Killian Hayes stand coming into the yeah. league. So, um, I'm a little disappointed about that. Um, but, you know, he, he's coming off a really bad hip injury. Only didn't play very much to, to start the season before he got hurt. Um, this team has a chance. But with, with these bad teams, they really need to hit it big, whether we're talking about the Rockets the T-Wolves, who, I mean, were kind of impressive against your Bulls. I mean, do, do you want to end with just kind of Armand Bulls talk? Where are we at? Like, do I have to talk you off the ledge? Like, what's the situation? How are we feeling about your baby Bulls? Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell were the best player on the court, uh, players on the court tonight. You know, this is my fault as well, but with – I don't know if this is a normal thing, but with, with Chicago sports, we did this with Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. I did it for sure, um, is we jump the gun and we, we, we say, oh, yeah, that's a good coach, that's a good GM. And I'm not going to fall for it again, buddy. This – Billy Donovan is starting to really get on my nerves. And our tourists – I like the Vooch trade, but listen, Vooch was getting beat to the rim by Cat tonight. And if Cat, with his foot speed, Vooch is 30 – this trade was meant for the Bulls to compete right now and not compete for a title, but to move up from 10th. They're choking games to Atlanta, losing to Minnesota. This is an embarrassment, and I fucking hate this Chicago Bulls team, Yos. I will change my mind if they win a couple in a row, as I typically do. But right now, as we tape this podcast, I fucking hate the Chicago Bulls. So thank you. I was, I was in a great mood. We started this podcast laughing at Scout with Brian, and now we end it laughing at me. <laughs> what do you have to say about the Bulls? I, I, I just clipped those last 15 seconds. That's going to be my first ever TikTok. <laughs> those last 15 seconds. 
I love it. So I thanks for it. that. Thanks for the content. I love it. Thank you, Yos, for joining me. And this was a very, very wonderful pod. We're going to have a couple more this week. We got to get back to it. And the Sixers, we got to get back to it and, and seal up this one seed, Yost, because I need a team to bandwagon for in the playoffs. My team isn't going to make the playoffs. So it is what it is. As always, thank you all for tuning in. And until next time, Armand out. Peace out, Hoopers. Thank you.